You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hi, this is Lindsay. And this is Leslie. And we are here today with my friend Joanna. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Joanna and I have known each other for like 13 years. Yep. We used to live in the same neighborhood about 10 years ago. And since then, Joanna has moved all over the place. <laughs> and um, we're really excited to have you here today. Thank you for coming. Glad to be here. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your family? My family. So um, my husband and I have been married for 15 years. And uh, we decided probably about a year into marriage that we wanted to start our family and um, started trying and nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. And um, so we started fertility treatments about two years after that. And we did those for two years. And then I got accepted into nursing school. Okay. And so we backburnered the baby for a while. And then I got pregnant all by myself. <laughs> well, awesome. all by myself. You <laughs> <laughs> had kind of a big part. <laughs> That's awesome. But um, so then I was pregnant, and um, my husband found out that he was going to deploy just a couple weeks after we found out we were pregnant. And then, um, so I was working full time. I was in school full time for my nursing degree, and then pregnant and getting ready for a deployment. And it was really hard, but I kind of muscled through it. And um, he left when I was six months pregnant, I think. And then came back when our oldest was three months old. So we did a Skype delivery. Wow. And um, yeah, and then I was here. I had a lot of help from family after he was born because we lived close to both my family and his family. And so that was a huge blessing. And then um, we figured since it took so long to get our first, we wouldn't prevent anything. And so um, we wanted more kids. And a couple years after our oldest was born, we were like, okay, well, we need to get on board with fertility stuff again. And so I went on medications for, um, I was on Clomid for a while, and then they switched me to something called Famara and turned me into a crazy person. Mm, and I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Clomid made me crazy. The Famara made, gave me really wicked headaches. Oh. Um, and then we decided to kind of just step back for a little while, and we started doing Foster to Adopt. And so we had several foster placements and um, several babies that we took home from the hospital and that we ended up turning over to grandparents. Um, So that was really hard. And then in the midst of that, my husband hit like his midlife crisis and decided that he wanted to go to med school. (laughs) So we sold our house and everything and went to the Caribbean for med school. And right before we left for med school, we had been looking at um, IVF treatments and we decided to go ahead and do that since we didn't know when we'd have money again. (laughs) Right. And so we did IVF about two months before we left and I went for the first ultrasound the morning that we left for St. Kitts and we found out we were having twins. Wow. And so I landed in St. Kitts which is an island in the Caribbean and I was super morning sick and it's a technically a second world country but there's a lot of third world attributes about Mm. St. Kitts and that the smells were really overwhelming especially being all hormonal and morning Mm. sick and so we went to the grocery store for the first time and I had to go out and throw up (laughs) and I cried the whole first like 
month and a half that we were there. Um, I was away from family for the first time. I was not working for the first time. Um, and how did you finish nursing school? Yeah, okay. so I finished um, right before our oldest was born. Okay. So um, how old was your oldest when you moved? Six. He okay, was six. so there's quite a gap. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I did pregnancy in St. Kitts, and we decided at about 20 weeks um, that I would come back to the States to have the babies just because the health care there is about 50 years behind oh. where we are at. And um, I, because I'm a nurse and I've been around healthcare so much, I had developed a latex allergy and they didn't have anything that was latex free. So I was like, oh yeah, that's not gonna uh-huh. work. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. yeah, so um, I came back to the States to have the twins and I, um, did you come like home home with family or just yeah so originally i was staying with my in-laws in their basement they've got a whole basement that we just kind of take over when we're here and um but the stairs were triggering preterm labor so i ended up at my parents which is just a small little house um but it was nice to be around family they um my in-laws actually came out to saint kitts and flew back with me so they kind of just handled my six-year-old and um I could just be in my compression hose and (laughs) belly band. (laughs) It was lovely. (laughs) I'm sure with twins. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then I, once we got back here, I started with some uh, pretty intense preterm labor. So I went in several times and had tributylene shots and I was on bed rest. And so it was really good that we had come back because if we had been in St. Kitts, we would have probably had 30 weaker twins and Mm. they don't have it would have been a nightmare. So yeah. it was good we came back. So I had the twins. Um, they were almost, I was almost 36 weeks along when I had them. And uh, my little boy, Caleb, he came home with me. And then Alexis was just an extra day in the hospital. So we had awesome. hardly any NICU time. That's so great. it was good. Um, and so we were trying to time things because my husband was still in St. Kitts finishing up his semester and we were trying to time things with tests and everything. (laughs) So every week I'd go into the doctor and I'd be like, okay, do I need to have him come back? And, um, the doctor was like, no, I think we're good. I think we're good. And then my husband was finally like, I'm just coming. Like, I am so worried about this. I'm not doing any good here anyway. So I'm just coming. And I was like, okay. So he, I was talking to the doctor that next day and he's like, yeah, that would be a good time. I think you're probably going to go in the next week or so. And so my husband came home on a Saturday night and my contraction stopped. (laughs) I was like, what on earth? (laughs) So that Monday we were, you know, walking Costco and curb stepping and bouncing on the exercise ball. And so the Wednesday my water broke and Lyle was there with me. And that was a fun experience to get to have him in the delivery room because yeah. before I had just had him on the computer. Of so we've decided that real life deliveries are better than yeah. Skype deliveries. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Not many people can have that comparison. So that's right. awesome. So, and then he had to go back um, when the twins, so I got Alexis home on the Saturday and Lyle went home on Sunday. He went back to St. Kitts. Wow. Um, but I was with my in-laws, so I had a lot of help. Um, and then I went back to St. Kitts when they were seven weeks old, as soon as they got their first set of shots we went back and um, my parents came with me on the plane because you can't have two infants all by yourself on the plane. Um, So my parents came back with me and uh, they stayed for a few weeks and then my husband's parents came out and switched them out and stayed for a few weeks and then they left and then I was solo. And um, it was, my husband was in school of course, so he was basically not there. And so I was by myself with twin babies, and then our six-year-old, we had been doing homeschool uh, just because 
the schools down there still do like canings in school and I was like if anybody's gonna hit my kid it's gonna be me right right (laughs) oh my goodness so we were homeschooling I was homeschooling um I had the twins and then we were doing cloth diapers because everything was just so expensive um and it was so hot and electricity is so expensive there um that we had um air conditioning units in each bedroom but I only ran them at night and even only running them at night it was 500 us a month for electricity so it was just so expensive and it was hot and I was tired all the time and about three months after they were born I started realizing that I was like there was no medium for me I was either yelling all the time or I was crying all the time like I didn't have any happy mediums I wasn't enjoying holding my babies um and I was always mad at my six-year-old poor little boy and um I had worked as a nurse in inpatient psychiatry for several years and where we had postpartum moms come through all the time, but it still took me about a month before I was like, oh my gosh, like I think I might have some postpartum issues going on because I hadn't had them with my first. And um, so I, it kind of blindsided me that that was something that I would even be experiencing. Um, my mom hadn't said that she had had anything like that after her babies and so I didn't I hadn't seen it and um, so I (laughs) kind of how it came about was I was sitting on the couch the babies were napping Grant was working on school stuff and um, I had been sitting on the couch staring at the wall for like half an hour like no thoughts at all just like staring and when I kind of startled too I was like oh my gosh Joanna like this is something that you probably need to address. And so I had nannied for a woman who was a nurse midwife. And so I reached out to her via email and just said, hey, I've got this, 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 and this going on. What do you think? And she's like, oh yeah, that's postpartum anxiety and depression, like classic. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So um, knowing what I knew about my doctor there in St. Kitts, I had more education than he did so to be a doctor down there you do like a two-year associate's degree and then you go and do two years of med school and then you're a doctor oh dear so um I, I had made him super uncomfortable just with like questions I had been asking about my twin pregnancy and so I knew that he was going to be floundering a little bit so I reached out to my doctor here in Utah and talked to the nurse and I said okay if I was there what would you guys do and so she kind of walked me through what the treatment would be and um, so I went into my doctor there and I said, I think I've got, this is what I've got going on. I think it's postpartum depression and anxiety. And he looked at me and he said, we don't have that here. Oh. And I was like, all right. Oh <laughs> and he's like, but you know, if that's what you think you have, what do you think we should do? And um, so I told him what my doctor had recommended and he said, all right, let's do that. But we had to order in, I went on Zoloft. And we had to order in the medication specially to come to the island because they didn't just have it on the island. Um, And so then, you know, we kind of spent a couple months tapering on and then figuring out what the right dose would be. And, um, you know, that was a struggle during that time, trying to figure out what's going to work. Is it going to work? You know, (laughs) right. Also kind of the panic in the back of my mind as to, okay, if this doesn't work, what do I do what's my next step yeah and can I ask were you did you nurse your twins I did I was nursing them yeah because formula was so expensive and I got mastitis eight times oh my gosh (laughs) and um just but 
we couldn't afford formula. So I was like, well, I've got to figure this out. And it had been like my underwear top that I was wearing was too constricting. And so once I switched, um, I stopped getting mastitis. And then I used like, <laughs> I had this whole regimen. It was like 10 things that I would do when I could feel it coming on. And yeah, so that was... <laughs> you were your own healthcare provider, yeah. basically. Yes. Can you imagine yeah. if you didn't have that knowledge of I know. nursing? Yeah, I would have been a wreck. I think I probably would have just been like, see ya, honey, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like so every, every odd is stacked against you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was hard. So how long did it take you to... Did you find a good place with the Zoloft and how did, how did you come to that? I felt like it was probably... So I started in March with the Zoloft and it was probably July before I felt like okay I can do this again okay um the thing one of the things that helped a lot there was a woman that lived across from us and she was a psychologist and um so I had been talking to her about what was going on and she's like oh my goodness well we need to step in and we need to do stuff and she had a live-in nanny and so she every morning she would call and say okay are the twins taking a nap if they are send Grant over to be with my kids and the nanny and um so she was kind of my godsend and my lifesaver and um she would take me out for girls night just for dinner or she'd have her nanny come over and sit with my kids so that I could just go and sit on the beach and just be um because you know I feel like as a mom especially when you're in the trenches with newborns you don't take that time for you and if you do it's like a nap which isn't a bad thing but um that's not really fulfilling anything for you either. Right. So, um, well, not only are you in the trenches with newborns, but you're in the trenches with newborns that are twins <laughs> and you're in a different country. And I mean, you had, like Leslie said, everything stacked against you. So you, this was not a common situation that you were in. No. And I look back on it now and I wonder how much of it was situational and how much of it was legitimately chemical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to say. Right. And, um, you know, if I had had the extra support, would I have reached the point where I needed medication or not? I don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's funny, too, because I felt like um, even having worked in patient psych, we kind of would put women on medication with the expectation that we were going to wean them down off of it eventually. And so that was my expectation. You know, I'll go on this Zoloft, I'll be on it for a year, and then I'll be good to go. And um, so that's kind of what I was operating on. We were in St. Kitts for not quite a year with me being medicated. Is that right? No, because they were 14 months when we came home. So, um, so yeah, more than a year. <laughs> um, then we came back stateside, and we were in Maine, and everything was cheaper, and people were nicer, and um, I felt safer. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll try and wean off of this medication and I tried to come down um just you know like having my pill or whatever and it was a disaster and Mm. my husband was like "Mm, yeah let's just put you back up again (laughs) (laughs) and um after that we moved several times we've had housing up in the air it's been really stressful and so I've ended up upping my doses several times and actually um just this past spring I switched medications to Effexor and uh, because I was still having a lot of racing thoughts at night and um I love Effexor I know it made a huge difference for me too. it's been huge yeah yeah and I I've reached the point I was talking to one of my nurse friends and she said you know what makes me mad is 
we put, especially like your postpartum moms, we'll put them on these depression medications or anxiety medications, and we give them this expectation that we're going to bring them down off of it. And she said, if you have someone who, you know, has thyroid cancer, you take out their thyroid, they know they're going to be on thyroid medication for the rest of their life. If you've got someone with a heart problem, a heart arrhythmia, you put them on the medication with the expectation that they're going to be on it for the rest of their life. And she's like, why do we give these moms this expectation that they're going to come off of it? Because then if they can't, they're they feel feeling like they're a failure. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And I think that, and even with regular depression, regular, um, I feel like there's kind of that expectation that, oh, let's just get you over the hump. Right. And then, so I wish that we could be more open to just being like, you know what? We have been blessed with this medication. There's a reason people discovered it. So let's go with it and be happy that we have it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's not a day that I don't wake up and go, I'm so glad that I have my medication Definitely. so that I can try to be the mom that I want to be. Not right. that I am, but that I'm trying and I'm able to even try to be the mom that I want to be. So. Right. And why is there such a stigma around medication? Because you're either living this miserable life because you don't want to be on medication right. or you accept that you need the medication and then you feel better, but you mm -hmm. still in the back of your mind are like, but I have to take this medication. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if there's nothing wrong with that, like you I just am. said, anything else you'd be like, well, this is something that's my body needs help with. So right. I have to take this medication. So why is it that we've created this, you know, whole idea around depression medication that, mm -hmm it's something that we should try to get off of, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's, it to me, I remember feeling like finally when I accepted that I had to be on medication, I think it, for me, there was a day where it just clicked where I was like, it's not my fault. Mm -hmm. Like this is a chemical issue. This is mm -hmm. my body telling me to take care of it. Like this is not my fault. Right. I think medication helped me accept that. Okay, so I have one quick question. Okay. When did your husband realize, did he realize something was off he knew that there was something going on, but I think he thought that it was me just being, I, I'm super type A <laughs> and OCD. So I think it was him just thinking, okay, she's going, you know, way OCD. Cause like I would, one of the ways my anxiety um, manifests itself is all of my OCD tendencies like go crazy. So I would sweep the floor 30, 40 times a day mm -hmm. and I would check the locks on the door like every five minutes and um so when i don't think that he didn't put the pieces together either until i sat down with him and i was like lyle this is what i've got going on and i was talking to julie and i think that this is what it's what it is and he's like okay well what do we need to do yeah. um and so he was really supportive of whatever what the doctor said to do and you know he tried to make time but we were there for school, and so, you know, he did what he could, but it was definitely, yeah, it was hard. What was the most consuming thought for you? What was the darkest space, the darkest day, like, time that you had throughout all of this? Do you know, I feel um, pretty lucky because I didn't, um, like, I didn't have any har thoughts of harming myself or my kids. Um, I was more just out of proportionate worried about things. Um, like with Lyle, he would ride the bus into school and every day he left, I was certain that 
the bus was going to crash and I'd have to go claim his body. And then how are we going to get the body back to the States? Because I'm not burying him in St. Kitts because I never want to come back to this island Mm. again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, just kind of those cyclical um, crazy thoughts. And then I was always worried that my kids were going to get stolen. And actually, (laughs) so when we were there, St. Kitts was going through this weird transition in government. And um, the population of St. Kitts is only like 25,000. And um, the first year that we were there, they had had... 40 murders. So 40 per 25,000 is significant. Wow. And they didn't allow firearms on the island, which of course doesn't mean anything. Um, They still got firearms on the island and there were still shootings and um, their law enforcement was having a hard time containing it. And so the other islands in the Caribbean were actually sending in military to help be law enforcement in St. Kitts. So there was this military presence. They'd be riding down the road in trucks with their guns and Um, You know, so for someone who's already feeling anxious, like that really amped me up. And then there was one time we were at the grocery store and I had the twins in their car seats and I had one of those snap and go strollers where you just put the car seat in. And um, so I had them in that and then I had Grant with me and I was looking for pasta or something. And so I was looking at the pasta and um, not really paying attention to my kids because I'm looking for pasta, right? And Grant says, hey, that's my sister. Put her back. <gasps> and I look over, and this woman had come over and had unbuckled my little girl and was, like, taking her out of the car seat. And I snatched her and put her back in the car seat. I went and threw the kids in the car, like, threw the stroller in. I didn't even fold it up. And I went home, and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I was like, I can never take them to the grocery store again. Because in the back of my mind, I was like, if someone takes her, like the police here are not going to be able to do anything about it. I am never going to see her again if someone takes her. And so um, there were things like that that would just kind of fuel my anxieties, things that I hadn't even thought of. Like you worry about your kids going missing or about them being sick or, um, but yeah, (laughs) so that definitely fueled that. I never did take them to the grocery store by myself again. Um, No, I wouldn't either. (laughs) And then like even just with healthcare, um, Caleb, my little twin, well, all of my, kids have asthma but Caleb had a few episodes where um he had some scary breathing and um so taking him to the pediatrician's office (laughs) I wish that you could see a picture on the podcast because it was like if you think of like a haunted house movie like with the moss and the overgrown and like to get to the pediatrician's office it was around one of those and so like the first time I pulled up I was like <laughs> what? there was no way if someone hadn't told me no he's a really good doctor you can go there um I would have driven away because there was no way that I would have taken him but um so like just being able even to get the medication that we needed there was one time when he I don't even remember what he had going on but there was no children's ibuprofen on the island at all because the hurricane had come through and so they hadn't gotten their shipments and so there was no Tylenol there was no ibuprofen and luckily I had some but (laughs) just stuff like that like being able to get the basic things that you don't think about like that really fueled my anxieties as well because there was always in the back of my head well what if he gets something that they can't treat here and um like (laughs) we took him to the er once and it was (laughs) was awful the things that we just think are you know we take for granted obviously that we just are used to yep so you know and i really do wonder like if i hadn't been in that situation would my postpartum stuff have amped up like it did I don't know yeah I mean of course it probably heightened it for sure yeah but Um, But I was very grateful for my (laughs) Zoloft 
Well, and that it took you four months, is that what you said, to to kind of get that figured out? Mm -hmm. And so now that you've switched medications, are you feeling good now? How how are you doing now? I feel a lot better now. So I switched to Effexor, and then they also um, diagnosed me with Hashimoto's. So I was able Mm -hmm. to switch to a different thyroid medication. Um, So in between those two things, I feel like I feel... Like the last two months, I've been more me than I have in years. Um, Just with like all the fertility drugs and everything. I feel like I'm back to, not back to, but more what I feel like I am. Yeah. (laughs) How old are your twins now? They are three, almost four. Wow. Which is crazy. That is crazy. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so you, and you have, you're still not sure where you'll end up, but you're still in the process of finishing well residency with med school and and how old's your oldest now so he is nine he's going to be 10. awesome and are you planning on having any more you know um we have one in storage awesome (laughs) but that takes money so yeah we both feel like we're not done so whether that's you know with our embryo that we have or if we do ivf again or if we adopt i don't know but um, I think Lyle is scared uh, more so than I am of what pregnancy and postpartum looks like mm-hmm. for me after this. Yeah. Um, you know, which is fair. So what do you do now for self-care? So now for self-care, I've got a really get great counselor where we live in Georgia. And um, so I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I have a high faith base and um this woman her husband is a presbyterian minister and so she gets the faith aspect of things because i feel like a lot of the things a lot of the decisions that we've made along the way have been based on prayer and um the way that we feel like we need to steer our family and so it's been nice to have a counselor who can see where i'm coming from Mm -hmm. with that and she's been awesome at helping me put things in perspective because i feel like a lot of anxiety is um, having things out of perspective. Like for me, um, growing up, my brother just younger than I am has hydrocephalus and cerebral palsy. And so he was in and out of the hospital a ton. And one of my coping mechanisms was to go to worst case scenario every Mm -hmm. time he went into the hospital and then work back. So like he'd go in for a surgery and I would have his funeral and plan it. And then I would work back from there. And which is an okay coping strategy, except if you get stuck, which with my anxiety, I would go to worst case and I would get stuck um, at that. And so she kind of made me realize that it's not all bad. Like you have to have anxiety in life in order to be able to respond appropriately to certain things. And so um, you need to be at a point where your anxiety is serving you as opposed to you serving your anxiety. And so when she kind of put it that way, I was like, oh, because in the back of my head, I was like, oh, this anxiety is terrible. I've got to get rid of it. Like, I can't have it in my life. But really, it's necessary for us to survive, to have a certain degree of anxiety. And so being able to realize that it's okay to go there as long as I can work my way back. Um, so she's been awesome at, uh, helping me do that. And then, um, putting things in perspective, like I would have thoughts of, okay, Grant's going to get on the bus and the bus is going to crash. I have issues with buses clearly, (laughs) but, um, and then we're not going to be able to find his body at all and blah, 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 you know, like that's the kind of racing intrusive thoughts that I would have. And, um, she would say, okay, you got that thought. It's racing around in your head. Stop 
and think, okay, first of all, what is the likelihood of the bus actually crashing? Okay, not super likely, right? Mm -hmm. If the bus does crash, which is extremely unlikely, what is the likelihood of all of the children flying out the windows? All of them. Not very likely, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hollywood style. Right. Right? So just being able to kind of walk myself back through those thoughts has been so huge. And then um, I feel like all of us as women kind of have this, we always want to be better than what we feel like we are. And we are very good at giving other people grace to make mistakes and not be exactly where they want to be but we're really bad at letting ourselves have that same grace and so I am really good at reaching the end of my day and saying okay well I didn't get this done and I didn't get this done and I didn't get this done and kind of get stuck in that things that I didn't do and one of the things that she had me do that helped probably more than anything is she said okay instead of going over your to-do list what if you make a ta-da list? And I was like, okay, what is this ta-da list that we're (laughs) going to be doing? And she's like, I want you to write down every single thing that you did throughout the day. You know, because as a mom, you do so many things that are not quantifiable. You can't measure it. You can reach the end of the day and you can be exhausted and you can look back and you can go, what did I even do? Like, we didn't even make it out of the house. (laughs) But so she had me make this ta-da list. And the first couple of times that I did it, it was really hard to make this ta-da list. But, um, So things that I put on my first to-do list were like, we all woke up, I made breakfast, I cleaned up breakfast, I loaded the dishwasher, I did a load of laundry, I folded a load of laundry. And um, she's like, no, I want you to be more specific. Like how many loads of laundry did you wash and dry and fold? And so I would do that. And then um, by the end of the day, when you look at that list of these things that you've done, you know, I clipped 40 toenails and 40 fingernails <laughs> and you've got this huge list and you feel like a rock star because you know what? I did get things done. Right. And um, that's really cool, actually. I, I love that because yes. it's kind of a thankless job, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you worded everything perfectly. Like we don't give ourselves grace and yeah. then, yeah. you know. I just loved everything you just said. (laughs) I know. All wrapped in one. That was perfect. So I've kept up my to-do list. And on days when I'm really kind of being hard on myself, I sit down and I go, hey, well, what have I accomplished today? And um, that's been huge for me is realizing the things that I do do as opposed to the things that I don't do. Because we really are doing a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. Totally. And then um, one of the other things that she had me do that helped a ton was she said, okay, I want you to make a fault list. And I was like, excuse me? What? (laughs) She's like, I want you to list out all the things that you feel you're really bad at that you beat yourself up over. And I was like, okay. And so I made this list. And as I was making the list, I like one of the things that was on my list was ironing. I don't do the ironing. Who irons? No one. No one. No one, one, right? Like, why am I beating myself up about the fact that I haven't ironed in two years? No one irons. (laughs) And just a lot of the things that were on my list were things that don't matter. But they were things that I was letting run around my head and let them be negative thoughts in my head when in reality, no one cares about those things. And they don't matter to the life and limb of my children Mm -hmm. or my family. And... um, so, so were you able huge. to let those go I by writing I them down? I don't even care that I don't <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's I love that. great. 
<laughs> so yeah, um, she's been really good at giving me things that initially when she says it, I'm like, what on earth? But then when I do them, I'm like, okay, yeah, you can see yeah, where this awesome. is. Um, so I really feel like in between medication and counseling, um, I feel like I'm in a lot better place mm-hmm. than I have been in a long time. And that's nice for me to feel that way. And good for you for seeking out that and going consistently and even on your, cause I feel like a lot of the times for everybody, it's easy to just be like, Oh, I feel better. I don't need to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for you for continuing to do that and trusting her and doing the things that she's asking you to do and choosing you. Cause I feel like it's so easy to just, Oh, I don't have time for counseling mm-hmm. or, Oh, I don't, you know. Well, and for me, I feel like most of the things we talk about are things that I know already. You know, I'm a nurse. I've got a medical background. Like, there are things I know I should be doing or things I know that can work. And so for me, it's more of a reminder that I do have coping strategies in my arsenal that I just forget about. Mm -hmm. But I think your original question was, how do I get me time, right? So I get, I do my counseling, but in one of our counseling sessions, she was talking about, okay, you really do need to take time for you. What are you going to do? You know, does that mean for you, does that look like hiring a babysitter or you know what does it look like for you and so I went home and I talked to Lyle about it and we were looking at the budget and we're like well babysitters are tricky and (laughs) and you know we're out we're in Georgia we don't have family around so I don't have a ton of people that I trust with my kids um and I had been looking at the YMCA there I kind of back and forth and finally I was like you know what let me just see what we can do because they've got scholarships and all kinds of things so not making money we don't pay much a month and um, we decided let's just go ahead and do that and with our membership we get two hours of childcare a day four days a week so that's like eight hours of babysitting a week nice and so I joined the Y and Lyle was like well if you're we're gonna pay money for this you need to use it and so you know it's kind of been a twofold thing because I go and I exercise for an hour hour and a half and then I shower by myself oh, without interruptions so, so I get to do that four times a week and it's awesome it has been um the best money we've spent probably ever Good for you. <laughs> that is so great so, yeah That's awesome so if you have a wire they don't really have ymcas here in utah but other places they do and it's an awesome awesome resource this so, is so cool. sounds like no a great idea. program seriously yeah. yeah so what would you tell yourself if you could go back to when you were in st kitts in the depths the day maybe the day you were staring at the wall what would you tell someone else who's in that situation that it can get better and that you're not going to be stuck there forever, even though it feels like um, there's no end in sight that it will come. And um, also, I'd tell myself not to worry about being on medication. Like, that was a huge thing for me when I initially, like, I tried all the other things that people recommend, you know, exercise and getting sleep, and um, it just wasn't working. And um, so I would tell myself that it's okay to be on medications and that in fact i feel like it takes a certain amount of bravery to say okay let's fix what's wrong and let's do this so definitely yeah that's awesome i loved this podcast like (laughs) honestly thank you so much you're welcome it's so nice to hear from someone who just took the you know took the bull by the horns and took care of themselves (laughs) like that's incredible yep and your insight is what so many of our listeners just 
yeah, even private message us and ask questions and things like that. So I really appreciate it. You're going to help so many people. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.